Hey, welcome to the Sanctuary Church podcast. Sanctuary Church is a family following the path of Jesus together in Providence, Rhode Island. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can visit our website at sanctuaryri.org or check us out on social media. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope you are encouraged by today's teaching. Awesome. So I want to talk about what happens after Pentecost. Um, But before I do, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Um, Have you guys ever gotten used to something in your lives that you never should have gotten used to? Right? So maybe at first it's something you didn't particularly like. Like this morning I was driving to church and my car broke down, you know, and so it was like, it's a Prius and it has two drive functions and I was driving on the highway and I kind of got used to like the car jerking around like it was in a windstorm. But have you ever gotten used to something? By the way, my car's dead now, but uh, <laughs> I made it here. Woo! Um, maybe, maybe at first you're like, I can't, this is no good. I can't believe this is happening. But over time, you're like, this is now my new normal. I'm used to it. Raise your hand if that's you. I want to share, um, you know, I've gotten used to my, um, my new look as a, as a 43-year-old man. Uh, my, my wife tells me I look great, and she's attracted to me after 18 years. But on the dresser in my bedroom, I have a picture from our honeymoon. So uh, let me show it to you. Is, do we have that? Well, it's, it's fuzzy, but look at that guy, right? So let me tell you the difference. He's 18 years younger than me. He weighs about 40 pounds less. He has way more hair. Um, How did that guy become me? How did that happen? If you told that guy on his wedding day, hey, you're going to look like this in 18 years, when I snap my fingers, he'd say, no, please no. But it doesn't happen like that, does it? It happens a little bit at a time, you know. Life happens, you move, you change jobs, you know. Um, You have a pandemic, you stop running half marathons, and every year you gain two pounds, and every year, that becomes your new normal. So, um, so I want to talk about this phrase, new normal, because I want to talk. Um, here's the main point I want to make. After the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Spirit, um, God has unleashed a new normal on the world. Amen? But we also have our new normal. So I want to talk about how our new normal and God's new normal interact. Next slide, please. This... Um, this is a phrase that economists probably coined around the year 2000 after 9-11. Um, and it refers to something that was previously weird or atypical or abnormal or shocking even that's become commonplace and even expected. And I think it's used with increasing frequency. The first time I heard that ChatGPT could write a sermon for me, which, you know, it did this morning, so, because I didn't have time. I thought, that's crazy. Now, every time I write a sermon, I just plug it into ChatGPT and it writes it. It's the new normal. Just kidding. But how would you know? How would you know? All right. When people use the new normal, often though, it's not a good thing, is it? It refers to things getting worse. Like the first time you're like, oh my gosh, can you believe that they have this thing called a reality TV show? Remember that, the real world? Does anyone remember the real world? And you're like, I can't believe this is a TV show. And then we had Survivor, and had The Apprentice, and Donald Trump was the star of a reality TV show. And then that reality TV show became our country. And we're like, yeah, 
the Biden presidency, it just not, doesn't have quite the plot value that uh, the last one does. And so the new normal is this dynamic of things getting worse and us getting used to them, right? Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? And it's in our lives too. We get used to things we really shouldn't. We get used to living in broken family systems. I'm used to living in a family with addiction. Um, we get used to mental illness or chronic stress or anxiety. We get used to numbing ourselves with substances or media. We get used to always having noise on. We get used to always get checking our phones, never being able to put it down. We get used to being addicted to work. Don't want to be a downer, but we get used to stuff, don't we? We get used to purposelessness or loneliness or depression or anxiety or anger. It's, we don't even know where it's coming from. It's not, it's not what we want, but it's the new normal. So what I want to talk about today is, is there hope for a world that seems to be in a permanent state of getting worse? And the answer is Yes. And so today, as we celebrate Pentecost, the pouring out of the Spirit on the church after Jesus' resurrection, um, the good news is that God can invade our new normal world with a different new normal. And so I want to talk about that. And I, wanna, I actually want to, I know we read uh, Acts 3, but there's nothing wrong with Scripture, right? I just want to tell you what happened the next day, or at least... I don't even know if it's the next day. It's just kind of the next thing that's recorded. Let's think of this as a random Tuesday morning in a post-Pentecost world, okay? What happens on a random Tuesday morning? So Acts 3, I don't know if we have this back there, but Acts 3, starting at verse 1. So one day, one random Tuesday morning, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Oh, afternoon, sorry. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, I love this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why would it surprise you? This is the most normal thing in the world. Why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we made this man walk? This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers who has glorified his servant Jesus you killed him, but God, and you disowned him. He always puts that in his sermons. It's, it's, uh, what, it's a good strategy, I guess. And you disowned the holy and righteous one. You released the murder. You killed the author of life, diatribe, diatribe. But by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. I want to share just three truths about new normal from this scripture. 
Here's the first. Humanity's new normal is decline. In, in, in our normal state of affairs, by the way, praise God, I hate post-modernity, but I like it better than modernity because in modernity we had this myth that everything was getting better, right? You remember that? Like, oh, everything's just getting slowly better. And we realized we were wrong, right? Things are actually getting worse, and we get used to them getting worse. And this is what we see with this man, right? He's, think about his situation. Isn't this, this is not an ideal situation. For as long as he can remember, he has to be carried every day to the temple gate. And he spends his whole life just outside of the presence of God. And the best he can do is ask people for money as they go in to worship. And it's not, it's not what he wants, but it's his new normal. And I think this is really a microcosm of our world. This is what our world is like. Do you guys remember the, I don't even remember the first mass shooting. How many kids, are there kids in the, John, you're good, okay. Do you guys remember the, when Columbine happened first time? Do you remember when Newtown happened? And do you remember how, how it made you feel? I mean, I couldn't, even, I couldn't go to work that day. It felt like a gut punch. It was like, how on earth? What on earth? It, it, it made no sense. And yet, it's like, here we are. And it's like, I don't even know how frequently. I don't even, I, don't even, I can't pay attention. I have, I have walled off a part of my heart because I no longer have the capacity even to feel. And that's our new normal. Does that make sense? And in many ways, all of our world is like that. And some of you are like, no, Greg, some things are getting better. Like smartphones, they're getting better. They're getting smarter. The, the algorithms are getting better. And I would say it's killing our kids, right? And the, the other thing that's getting better is AI. That's getting better. And um, uh, I'm concerned about AI. I'm not going to talk about it. But let me, just, let, me just put, let me just say, some people have said that AI makes nuclear weapons look like child's play in terms of the, the existential threat it poses to humanity. So Martin Luther King said, our science, even, our, even our accomplishments are not always accomplishments. Why? Because they're happening in the context of spiritual decline and decay in the human heart. Our scientific power has outrun our spiritual power, Martin Luther King said 60 years ago. We have guided missiles and misguided men. So I think in all the things even that are improving, I think we can say they're going to cause as many problems as they solve, right? Why? Why is this? Why is our new normal decline and us getting used to it. I want to nerd out for a second on the second law of thermodynamics. Does anybody know? Remember what that one is? Entropy, yeah. So what it means is that in any closed system, um, over time, disorder will prevail. Any closed system will become increasingly disordered with time, right, Hayes? Like your knee. Um, it's true in the physical universe, and it's true in the moral and spiritual universe as well. Why? Because when humanity turned away from God's leadership, disorder entered the human heart. We walled ourselves off from the goodness of God, and absent an intervention of God, we became a closed spiritual system that declines over time. The first thing that happens is we begin to see decline, and we don't like it, but there's nothing we can do. 
the man just gets used to being at the temple gate. We get used to the school shootings. Then what happens is we slowly begin to lose even the capacity to remember an alternative, right? I don't even remember a pre-Columbine world. I don't remember it. I don't remember what it feels like. It's too far back. When, the, when Peter and John say, look at me, the man assumes what? He assumes they're going to give him money because that's, his, that's, that's the limit of his imagination. He can't imagine that somebody is going to say, in the name of Jesus, walk. And all of a sudden, his entire life is going to change. He can't imagine it. Finally, the third stage is we come to prefer the new normal. When Jesus comes beside the paralytic man in John 5, he asks him a question. What is it? Remember the question? He says, do you want to get well? Because if you get well, it's going to overturn your life. You know what I mean? So, yes, you might say you want it, but I want to make sure. Do you want to get well? Because I'm not going to do it unless you want to. We actually come to prefer a declining new normal. I, I actually believe, I'll talk about this in a minute. I think the church in America has become accustomed to decline. It's like we've become accustomed to a constant state of spiritual winter. Like, it's like we don't want to change the wardrobe. Like, we've gotten used to winter. And so what in your life, before I move on, what in your life have you gotten used to? What does that look like in your life? What? We heard, we heard what Hase's new normal looked like a few years ago. What in your life isn't right? Maybe you've just given up. So I want to talk about humanity's new normal is things getting worse, but God has a new normal too, amen? God's, humanity's new normal is decline. God's new normal is revival, all right? In God's new, this, humanity's new normal, this man gets used to sitting beside the temple gate, but in God's new normal, when Peter and John enter the scene filled with the Holy Spirit, something totally different happens. Look at us, Peter says, And the man looks at him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And he reached down and helped him up. And instantly, it says, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. He began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, praising God. And everybody saw him. See, God's new normal is revival. How is this possible? How is it possible that God can can reverse entropy. How does he do it? So back to the second law of thermodynamics. In a closed system, everything becomes disordered with time. But what, what happens when you add, like for ex- in the example of the earth, the earth is not a closed system. Why? Because it orbits a blazing fireball. And that blazing fireball is constantly pouring out light and energy and life. And instead of things declining with time, what do they do? They grow. They become ordered with time. They flourish. They thrive. And this is what happens. This is what God does. God, by the way, doesn't like our new normal. It breaks his heart. And so if he did not intervene, what would happen? Humanity would go cold and dark. And we've seen seasons where it does. But inevitably, God, in his mercy, steps in, and he infuses the system with divine life. 
And at the center of history, this is what Jesus did. Think of what Jesus faced on the cross. It was the ultimate picture of a human decay, death, and decline. It was the tool of torture of an empire. And Jesus says, I have to go there. I have to die on that cross. Why? So that I can face humanity's new normal. Two days he's in the grave, and on the third day he rose again. Amen? And then on Pentecost, God says, it's not enough just for one human being to rise from the dead. I want to pour out the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I want to put it in every single human heart that opens itself up and welcomes me in. And so all of a sudden, Peter and John are walking around filled with the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And so they look at this man and they say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And it's just like the other day when we were at Bassett, you know, Hayes finally said, yes, I'll, I'll receive prayer for my knee. And we laid our hands on his knee. And everyone that was there, who was there? Who, yeah, Sam, you were there. And it was a weird moment because I'm like, I know this thing's going to get healed. Like sometimes we pray and it, it doesn't. I, I prayed for my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law's not with the Lord now. I prayed for my mom. My mom's with the Lord. It's mysterious. But that night when we prayed for Hase's knee, stuff started to wiggle around. Really weird. All we said was, be healed, knee, and it started moving, and haste, haste started getting wigged out. We were all wigged out. We're like, oh, this is happening, and then it, and then it was better. So anyway, I lost, I lost my track of thought. Um, I, love, I, love, I love spring. Who loves spring? Do you love spring? Praise God for spring, Right? Praise God for the moment when the snow starts to melt and the crocuses come up. You know, and basically what this, what, what happened is that Jesus has interrupted humanity's winter with his spring, right? One day it's going to be summer, you know, the, the kingdoms of heaven are going to crash into the earth. You know, everything will be made new. But in the meantime, we can expect to see little crocuses, the first signs of the spring coming up through the snow. The resurrection of Jesus was the first crocus of God's spring in the midst of humanity's winter. The outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost was the second crocus. The third crocus was this random Tuesday afternoon when Peter and John come to the gate. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why does it surprise you? It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us. And so what I want to say is that revival is when God's spring enters our winter human system. And we've been pursuing revival for a long time, haven't we, at this church? You've heard me talk about it once or twice, right? And I think what's cool about revival, it's not something extra. It's not something extraordinary. It's not something amazing. Do you know what it is? It's just normal. It's what God always intended from the beginning. What's weird is not springtime. Springtime is a normal thing that falls winter. What's weird is living in a state of perpetual winter. And friends, we have been. We've, we are like the man beside the gate. We've been living in winter, and I'm talking macro, in our lives, but also in New England. We've been living in a declining church that's been declining for 50 years. Is that normal? It's not normal. Actually, God says there's another possibility. There's another possibility for us. So here's what I want to say. Final thing. New normal is available. God's new normal. But God is not going to force it on us. 
He doesn't force his new normal on us. We have to do two things. We have to want it, and we have to receive it by faith. And so think of this man. Here he is lying uh, beside the gate. Peter and John come by. Look at us. And he's expecting to receive something. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Okay, pause the scene. By the way, worship team, you guys can come up. At that moment, this man has a choice to make. Can you imagine that you've, you haven't walked for as long as you can remember, and all of a sudden somebody is helping you to, to, to your feet? And you have to actually try to move muscles that you can never remember moving. Would that be weird? But this is an act of faith. And so the, the, word, the word is uh, agero, helped him up. It's the same word, by the way, that Peter uses when he says God raised Christ from the dead. He reached down and he raised this man to his feet. But have you ever tried, like, no, my son Noah plays a game with me where he's like, he lies on the floor and he says, Dad, help me up, you know? And so he, the minute I get here, what does he do? He goes completely limp, you know? And I can, I can squat 350, okay? So I'm not like weak, hey! But I can't lift someone up that doesn't want to be lifted up. He has to want to get up. He has to participate. He has to activate his muscles. And it's the same way with God's new normal. It takes effort to receive it, right? It's a free gift. God says, hey, there's resurrection power available. The Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. But we have to want it. And we have to participate. Sometimes that means moving muscles. If I told you that I had a whole moving truck full of West Elm furniture that I was going to give you for free to your house. You couldn't receive it right now. If I took it to your house, I'm like, here it is. It would take effort for you to do what? To make room for it. Take the other things out of the house. It takes effort to receive the gift of God's new normal. It takes faith. So I just want to, um, I just want to talk just really practically, and then we're going to have a time just to listen to the Holy Spirit. What does this mean for us? A couple, couple invitations. How do we as a church make room for God's new normal? He, he does have a new normal. I, I am convinced that we are, we are at the trough of a long season of spiritual decline in our, in our region, in our city, maybe in our lives, and that God wants to bring revival. And we've been praying for it. We've been seeking it for a long time. There's been a really committed group of folks in the church that have been hungrily seeking. And many of us are like, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea, revival. That sounds great. Um, but part of how did Peter and John come to the place where they walked in faith and expectation and awareness of the power of the Spirit so that they said that to the man? If you think about where they had been, they had just been praying for 10 days in the upper room before the Spirit fell at Pentecost. They had been waiting on God. 
they'd, they'd, they'd received, Jesus said, power's going to come on you, and you're going to be my witnesses. And they, and they said, yes, there's a, they weren't used to that new normal. They saw it in Jesus. But Jesus says, no, you, I'm going to do it through you. But you need to pray, and you need to make room in your hearts, in your lives, to receive my new normal. So part of my invitation, I just want to be super clear, these Thursday nights in June, our hope is that more of our community, more of our family would linger in the upper room together and pray and say, God, we want your new normal in our lives. We want it in our lives. We want it in our families, in our homes, in our home churches, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in our church, and in the city. And so we're, we're, we remember we did that survey. We're like, hey, when could you come to pray? Well, the biggest time was Thursday night. So, hey, we're going for it. So I just want to encourage you, come on Thursday nights. Um, and let's seek the Lord together. The second thing I want to invite you to consider with the new normal is to share your testimony. Wasn't it powerful to hear from Hayes this morning? One of the things that happened, yeah, bro. One of the things that happens is a lot of times God begins to break into our lives and he does a new normal in our lives and we let it stop with us. But the man in the passage, that didn't happen because this was public. It happened right next to the temple gate. Everybody knew this man. He was like the person on the corner that you drive by every day who's asking for money. And all of a sudden, he's walking and he's leaping, and he's praising God in the temple, and everyone says, what does this mean? And so God's movement in your life can actually open up a window for somebody else to walk into a new normal. God's, God's healing in Hase's life, maybe this morning you realize, I need, to, I need to open myself up to some kind of move of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so what I want to invite you to do is... Um, if God has moved in your life in any way at all, like, don't let it stop with you. We have that app. Remember the app? I keep, like, harping on it. But on, if you go to the link tree, there's literally a place to record your story, to record your testimony. Because revival spreads on the embers of testimony. And so there may be a move of God in your life that somebody else is supposed to be blessed by. So I want to I encourage you to do that. And finally, as, as, we, as we just close this morning and we move into worship, I think the Holy Spirit is present this morning and wants to minister to some of us and wants to touch some of us right now. And I think my invitation for you is to move a muscle in response to whatever the Spirit is inviting or stirring in your heart. Just like the man, he had to want to get up, to get up. And there's something about moving or taking a physical step of faith that, that God honors, right? God is looking for our participation in our own healing, in our, the new normal he wants to bring to our lives. So part of the reason that we even open up this, we call it the altar space, it's a space to meet with God. You know how every week we're like, hey, come down, come receive prayer. And some of you guys are like, no, I'm going to sit here. 
Like, this is not, I don't want to be the person that like, oh, what's wrong with them? They're coming up front. That's not why we're opening it up. It's not for the people that are just messed up or whatever. All this is, is a chance for you to move a muscle in, and to allow God to enter into that. Think about Peter in the boat, right? Remember that? Jesus is like, come to me on the water. Well, what if Peter said, okay, I'm going to come to you. Jesus is like, yeah, come to me. Peter's like, okay, I'm coming. Jesus is like, come along. What did Peter have? He literally had to move his muscle. And so I, what I want to encourage us to do is if there's something in your life this morning, just do something. Either it's put out your hands or it could be come forward or receive prayer or turn to the person next to you and say, would you pray for me about this? So let's pray. Let's just take a minute and listen to the Holy Spirit. Lord, where does this touch down in our lives? What's the new normal that you want to bring? What's the stuff that we've gotten used to in our lives that we never should have? Where do we want to ask you, God, to meet us and bring revival to our hearts, to our families? What do you want to do, Holy Spirit? We invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, same power that raised Christ from the dead. Come minister to us. Come to the places where it's winter in our lives and bring your springtime. We're just going to worship now in a minute. Just take a minute and listen, and then after a minute, the worship team will start playing. Prayer team is up here just encourage you to respond to God's invitation however however would be an act of faith for you this morning come Holy Spirit